And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold, brought to you by the Lamarck Automotive Complex. There must be a reason. We're going to get into a mailbag at the tail end of this segment and the final segment. So make sure you get your questions, comments, whatever in the chat, and we'll get to them. Uh, but first, you know, Marshawn Lattimore, you know, there was a few injuries in this game that you're going to have to watch throughout the week and could be huge going forward just because of the impact these players have had. One we got into with Chris Olave, right? You know, Deontay Hardy got hurt. He hasn't really had an impact to this point. So, you know, it's not, I I thought Marquez Galloway actually had more juice in the return game than Hardy has shown the last few weeks. So, you know, I'm not overly concerned with if you have to be without him, but Marshawn Lattimore went down late in this game. It didn't hurt the Saints in this game, but man, that would be a huge blow if, if he misses time. What did you see from him there with that abdomen injury? Yeah, when he came to the sideline, you could definitely see the visible pain he was in. He seemed to be grabbing his stomach, and I wasn't sure at first if it was just like cradling his arm maybe or if it was, you know, that, that core stomach uh, area. But when he came over to the bench, didn't even make it to the bench, just collapsed onto the turf area, and you could just tell he was writhing, uh, the look in his eye and everything. The guy was just in a ton of pain and was fighting off the trainers, didn't want to go into the injury tent. Finally, they did, you know, persuade him in and said, you got to, you know, you got to get in there to get, you know, looked at. And afterwards, uh, after an extended stay in the tent, finally got out, um, made his way to the locker room. And then, yeah, we got word about it was confirmed indeed a abdomen injury and obviously a huge concern for this team just because that's your number one corner. He's going to be shadowing the top guys on the opposing team. And there's a tough matchup coming up in the Cincinnati Bengals. And it's someone that you definitely don't want to be without. But at this point, obviously, not looking good just because of the pain you saw that I saw him in, at least, uh, from the injury. But hopefully it's something that it's not as serious as it looks. So I didn't catch the injury live. You know, it was late in the game. I was I was trying to write. And so I just kind of like, you know, saw that he was out of the game. And, you know, but what what when did the injury occur? Like, did it happen during a play? Uh, the touchdown. Who's the touchdown to? Uh, he went down and went down in the end zone and stayed down for a little bit, but got up and like. He was just you could tell in pain, kind of hunched over and getting as fast as he could to the sideline and just didn't even make it to the bench. Like I said, just collapsed on the ground there. And it was it was definitely rough to yeah, see and concerning. Yeah, so the last touchdown was the Kenneth Murray run. Um, the tu- the long touchdown to Lockett was before that because the Saints went ahead 31-19, and then the Seahawks came back and led 32-31. And that's why, you know, at that point, that's why, you know, the, Taysom Hill didn't just have a, a huge game. That was, um, like... The Saints were in danger of blowing this game until you got to third and short, and he just broke that, and you could see it coming from a mile away. The second he got through the line, he started high-stepping. But, yeah, I mean, the injuries could cast a pall over this, you know, and so hopefully hopefully it was just a cramp. You know, hopefully it wasn't anything significant. Um, you know, he and he and DK Metcalf were going hard all game. You know, they were just <laughs> – it's just one, another one of these knockdown dragout uh, matchups that Marshawn finds himself in, and honestly, Marshawn thrives in. It's exactly what happened last year, in the sense that you know, 
last year was the second drive DK Metcalf had. I want to say it was an 84-yard touchdown catch where Marshawn kind of stumbled. Today, on the opening drive, it was Paulson Adebo kind of in primary coverage. They ran a pick play. Paulson got lost in traffic, and then DK went for a 50-yard touchdown. But, I mean, you know, the rest of the game, he finished with five catches for 88 yards. So after that play, he had four catches for 33 yards and a fumble. He got shut down. Um, and that's what Marshawn gives you. So, <laughs> you know, hopefully, hopefully this is a situation where, you know, we're not talking about this at this time next week. Um, but yeah, when you see a guy go down like that, it's always concerning. Yeah. And for, like I said, for him, you know, uh, another tough guy on this team, just to be writhing so much and just visibly in so much discomfort and then just a weird injury to, you know, an abdomen issue. I would like to see the replay on it. I haven't really looked that over, but we'll definitely check out what re- exactly happened to him on that locket touchdown. Yeah. I think the coverage, the the coverage struggled on the back end because you were trying to press a lot. You were trying to, especially so on that touchdown before the half, the Saints are in press coverage because they're expecting the Seahawks to try to get three, four yards. Like I had a few people come and say like, well, why were the Saints in man? Why were they, why weren't they, you know, playing a picket fence? It was because you were trying to keep them off the board. They were at about the 50 yard line. You're like, okay, you know, if we can stop them from getting five, 10 yards, we can keep them off the board. Instead, the Seahawks smartly go for it all. Geno Smith has a really good deep ball. I did not know that about Geno Smith until today. <laughs> he has a really pretty deep ball and he, and they took advantage of it. Tyler Lockett, you know, if I had to comp Chris Olave to anybody, it might be Tyler Lockett. They're very similar players. I think Chris Olave has more intermediate skills, but like Tyler Lockett has great ball skills downfield, right? He's a guy who you want to target deep. He's a guy who you probably wouldn't mind pairing Jameis Winston with if you ended up going that route. But um, you ended up with J- JT Gray playing deep safety, Paulson Adebo, who I think struggled today. Yes. Um, he he's a guy who I think we're kind of learning about as we go. He wants to be physical when he doesn't kind of get that initial jam. He doesn't have top end speed, right? So when he gets when he gets in trail, he has a hard time making up the the space, and that's what happened on both those plays, right? He got beat over the top. And you don't have a true center fielder anymore with Marcus Williams out of town. Even if Marcus May was there, he's not a real center fielder. And so that's what happened on that first one. And I think it's similar to what happened on that second one. You know, you're playing over the top and Tyler Lockett is just beating you downfield. And you got to be better than that. But so, you know, I think if you were forced to put a Debo in these top end matchups, you could struggle. And you would then that would kind of move everything down the line. You would end with Roby on the opposite side. And, um, you know, I think Paulson Debo is a, is a very good cornerback. I don't think he's ready to be on an island uh, against the Jamar Chases of the world and against the DK Metcalfs of the world. So, yeah, I mean, the offense looked good today. They were able to put up points. You know, if if you're not if you're suddenly without your star cornerback, you might have to put up points. And against a team like the Bengals, you know, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, and we get to see uh, some Sunday night football. Them taking on the Baltimore Ravens. Um, so early scouting report on the uh, the Bungles. Hopefully, the uh, we see we see them the Bungles. Yeah, hopefully we see them in less than prime form, less than Super Bowl form when they do come to the Superdome. I thought this game would definitely be a prime time matchup considering, you know, Joe Burrow coming back to Louisiana as well. Yeah, they didn't put any Saints games in prime time. 
They don't even have a Sunday night football game this year. They have two Monday night football games. Yeah, oh, yeah, and the Thursday night, but yeah, no Sunday night. Yeah, but they had a Sunday morning. Does that count? I guess so. Right. That's their. Yeah. They, also, their they, they also play on New Year's Day, so that's kind of that's kind of. Yeah. Jerry Pore here says, which I think is correct. I'd rather an ugly win than a pretty loss. Sure. And by all means, right? I like. I love getting Taysom in the game and just junking it up. You know, it's not pretty. It's ugly. But that's what makes it fun, right? And that's what you had today. But well, what made it ugly too was just the all oh, the defense letting Seattle have so many easy touchdowns or long plays that they gave up that you know it was like three, four play drives and boom, Seattle's in the end zone. Just when you seem to be building some momentum, there was always something that kind of retracted from the positive on the on the offensive side. I think the Seahawks scored on four or fewer plays like five times. <laughs> like they didn't have extended drives. That first right, drive right. was probably their longest one and they had a 50-yard touchdown. Like their scores were from down the field. And if you have to allow a score, I prefer it happens that way, right? Like <laughs> the worst case scenario is a team goes down and runs a 10-play drive and then punches it into the end zone. Because not only are you, you know, tiring out your defense, you are not preventing points. And then, you know, you're taking time off the clock away from your offense. At least if, like, that was the thing you could say is like, okay, the Saints gave the ball back to the, to the Seahawks and then they immediately allow a 69-yard touchdown. At least that puts the Seahawks defense back on the field and, you know, gives the Saints plenty of time to operate. That was the only positive you could pull out of what happened with that Kenneth Walker touchdown. The lights just went up. They're telling you something. Now it's real dark. But, yeah, I, I think the big play, the number of big scoring plays the Saints have allowed this year is concerning. You don't want to be the team that, you know, can't lock down in key moments because the opposing team can always go over the top, right? Or can always yeah. hit big. You know, you have LaVisca Chenault in week two, right? In week four, in week four, it was that Justin Jefferson bomb when you just needed to just to clamp and get the ball back to your offense in a tie game that today, you know, you went up 31, 19 and bang, fifth 40 yard touchdown to Tyler Lockett, bang, 69 yard rushing touchdown to Kenneth Walker. Like that can't be the identity of your defense, you know, and this is a team that has struggled in so many aspects of just being a, a consistent team. I thought they cleaned up the penalties um, today. And I think that if you wanted to pull a silver lining out of, you know, allowing 32 points and having to really push yourself to come out with this game, it was, you know, there was a lot fewer dumb penalties, right? There were some penalties. Penalties will happen, but there weren't any that you're just like, you know, hitting yourself over the head for, you know, there weren't a ton of boneheaded holding calls. There weren't a ton of, you know, silly defensive holding penalties. Um, there was one against Paulson Adebo away from the play that was probably a boneheaded play. And he had a rough first first quarter. He had a rough game. But I think that they did a good job of cleaning that up. They had the two turnovers. You know, there's, there's, there's the Alvin Kamara turnover is inexcusable. The Andy Dalton interception. Uh, I think I put that slightly on Traquan. I don't think he fought back to the ball enough. You know, like you're going to throw interceptions when you throw into coverage. And in that situation, you're throwing it and you're hoping that Traquan can, can work back to the ball. And it's either an inter it's either, and it's incomplete or a catch. 
And if he can't get to it, he has to play defense. He did none of those things. He kind of just allowed himself to be covered. And then the guy worked over the top of him. I think it was Tariq Woolen and got that interception. Um, you know, it's, it's tough to hate the throw. Like if you want to blame Andy Dalton, you blame him for trusting Trey Quan in that moment. Cause Trey, he had a rough day. He had, I think he missed two pretty easy third down conversions. They kind of just bounced off his hands, but he did have a good, a big catch on that final drive as they were trying to, you know, ice the game. So, you know, you don't really have options at wide receiver right now, but you have to start wondering if Trey Quan's job is, is, uh, is getting close because you, you've called up Keith Kirk, Kirkwood today. They do very similar things. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And when you really hear about anything positive about Traquan, it's not for his receiving ability. It's for his run blocking ability and obviously not exactly what you want from a wide receiver. Uh, go, going back to those deep play issues, you know, the, the big chunk plays, I wonder how much of it could be still communication issues in the secondary because that was something I was worried about going into the year when you lost a guy like Malcolm Jenkins to retirement. Uh, it seemed like when he did come and join this New Orleans, rejoin, I'll say, the New Orleans squad because he went to Philadelphia after being drafted by the Saints. But when he came back, really seemed to solidify things on that back end and you didn't have those busted coverages or huge chunk plays anymore. And I just wonder if it's still a case where, you know, Tyron Matthew is still gaining that trust of everybody and being able to communicate things properly to the secondary. Yeah. And I mean, you haven't had Marcus May for a majority of this, right? So, yeah. you know, when, if you go back to 2020, when they were trying to incorporate Marcus Williams and Malcolm Jenkins as a, as a tandem, you saw similar stuff in the first five, six games of that season, right? If you go back to that Chargers game, I think it was week five. It was Monday Night Football. You know, they're getting beat over the top by Mike Williams, right? You know, that this was something that happened. I think it was the Panthers and maybe it was week five, week six. Teddy Bridgewater comes in and, you know, it's, I think it was DJ Moore running alone down the middle of the field. You know, so these types of breakdowns happen when you're dealing with a new back end. They've also been playing very aggressively. You haven't seen as much kind of a shell defense with just a deep safety, you know, two deep safeties. You haven't seen that much. You're trying to put pressure on the quarterback. And I think it's it's part of the reason you're giving up big plays. I would have liked to see them kind of concede three points at the end of the first half. Like if I was if I was being critical of, of the play calling there, that's what I would say, because, you know, you can't allow seven to try to prevent three. And that's what they did. I think that they they probably just didn't expect the Seahawks to be that aggressive. But, you know, when you when you have a track record of getting burned over the top, teams are going to get aggressive. So you have to your play calling has to match that. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there there's stuff to work on. Yeah, clearly this is far from a perfect game and outing. But, you know, we like you said, an ugly win is better than a pretty loss any day. Uh, I'll take that JJP Jr. for sure. Now we just need to do some stringing together of these victories uh, to get back into the the mix of things and yeah, get a win next week. And suddenly three and three uh, isn't looking so bad in the NFC. I, I, I was so surprised that when I got home, I realized the New York giants beat the green Bay Packers. Sure did. Daniel as Jones it as they were Daniel Jones with that stellar two for four start. Got it all <laughs> turned around. They started David Sills at wide receiver today. That's, that's it. You know, and that's like I use this is what I said in the pregame show. It's like injuries are an excuse. You got to go find ways to win. 
Right, Saints everyone's got them. that today. And it's like, if you if you want to look at a team that can have injury excuses, it's the 4-1 and one New York Giants. Go look at the players they're missing. Not the players they're playing, the players they're missing. And, you know, the Saints, the Saints situation feels a lot different. But, you know, the Saints, they did what they had to do today. And, and that's what they're going to have to do going forward. Stick around on Inside Black and Gold, brought to you by the Lamarck Automotive Complex. There must be a reason. We're going to come back and hit a bunch of these mailbag questions. They've been rolling in. We've got a lot of a lot of good topics. We're going to hit that and then get out of your hair. Stick around on Inside Black and Gold.